Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 20, verse 21. I want to talk this morning on this thought, God is able. God is able. How many believe that this morning? That anything we face in life, it's not too big for our God. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, verse 21. And we'll get into our message this morning. We'll close out the third chapter today. Verse 20 says, Now to Him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's read it one more time. Verse 20. Now to Him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. A woman once approached the famous preacher G. Campbell Morgan after he spoke and asked him this question. Do you think we should pray for even the little things in our lives or just the big things? In his dignified, British manner, he replied, Madam, can you think of anything in your life that is big to God? I want you to ponder that question for a moment. Can you think of anything in your life that is big to God? It may be big to you, it may be big to me, it may overwhelm us, it may get the best of us, but if you take it to God, do you really think it's big to God? In this text, Paul starts out by telling us that God is able. That word able, it means to be capable, strong, and powerful. You see, our God is a God who possesses all power in heaven and earth. He has all authority. You see, our God, He's capable, He's powerful, He is strong. And I believe this morning we should praise Him for who He is. We should praise Him for His omnipotence and His almighty power. And then Paul goes on to say that God is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. Paul is saying that there are no limits to what God can do. You see, God's ability exceeds the lengths to which our minds can think. His ability goes beyond the limits of what we can ask. You see, God can act beyond our ability to ask or even imagine. You see, God is far beyond our finite minds. You see, whatever you can ask, God can do above and beyond that. There is no prayer that you can ask that is so great that God can't answer and exceed it. Whatever you can think of, whatever you can imagine, whatever you can dream, God can do above and beyond that. There are no limits to His power. You see, I believe we serve a God that can move mountains, change lives, lift burdens and meet our needs. I believe we serve a God that is able. And so I ask you this morning, can you think of anything in your life that is big to God? You may have walked in here today and you've got burdens and you've got circumstances, you've got situations that seem to be overwhelming. You've got needs that you don't seem to be able to meet and it's weighing you down. It's heavy upon your heart today. But I ask you this morning, is there anything in your life that is too big for God? I would say to you this morning, there's nothing too big for God. And so this morning I want to motivate you to pray big prayers with faith in a mighty God who is able to do above and beyond what we ask or think. I want you to pray this morning in faith believing that God is able. I want you to 
want you to write down the key takeaway this morning. If you don't remember anything else that I say, just remember this. Keep this in the back of your mind. Here it is. God is able to exceed our expectations and limitations. God is able to exceed our expectations and limitations. God is able to exceed our expectations and limitations. Now with that being said, I want to go through these points this morning and show you that God is able. The first thing I want you to notice this morning is this. God is able to do anything. God is able to do anything. Paul says God is able to do above beyond what we ask or think. You see this morning we don't have the ability to ask or think anything that is beyond God's ability. I believe the power of God is unlimited power that we can't exhaust His power or we can't ask too much of Him. Verse 20 teaches us the exceeding, abundant, immeasurable, infinite ableness of God. You see, there are no limits to what God can do. We can't even imagine what God can do. His power is so great that we don't even know what we don't know. In fact, let me ask you this morning, can you name something that is impossible with God? I know that it's impossible for God to change. I know that it's impossible for God to lie. But can you name anything else that it is impossible for God to do? Can you name something He can't do? Can you tell me a need that God can't meet? Can you tell me a prayer that God can't answer? Can you show me a person that God can't save? Can you name a sickness that God can't heal? Can you give me a situation that God can't Turn around. Paul says God is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. He's telling us that God's power, God's ability is off the chart. His power can't be measured. That it's so great it can't be imagined. You see, our God is able to do anything because He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. And there's no power like His power. You see, from Genesis to Revelation, that when I read this book, I see the power of God showing up over and over again. First of all, we see God's power in creation. We see God's power in creation. We, I mentioned moments ago that God spoke this entire universe into existence out of nothing but His Word alone. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Look down on your notes at Psalm 33, verse 6. It says, The heavens were made by the word of the Lord, and all the stars by the breath of His mouth. Psalm 33, verse 9. For He spoke, and it came into being. He commanded, and it came into existence. Jeremiah 32, 17. It says, O Lord God, You Yourself made the heavens and earth by Your great power, and with Your outstretched arm, nothing is too difficult for You. And then Paul said in Romans 1, 20, Ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. You see, every day all around us, we have evidence of God's power. That every time you look up and see the sun, every time you go out and see the stars and the moon, you have evidence of God's power. But here's the thing, every time you look in a mirror and see the body that God created, you see have evidence of God's power and God's work. In this world. You see all of creation shouts. God is powerful. But we also see secondly. We see God's power in converting sinners. 
We see God's power in converting sinners. When the rich young ruler walked away from Jesus and rejected salvation, Jesus told His disciples, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to be saved. And they responded this way, who can be saved? And here's what Jesus said, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You see, we've got to remember that when it comes to a person being saved, when it comes to the conversion of a soul, that's not the display of human willpower. But rather, it's the display of God's power raising a spiritually dead person to new life. You see, it takes the power of God to save a person that is lost. A person can't be saved by their own strength. A person can't be saved by their own power. It takes the power of God. Listen, you and I didn't get saved because of our own strength, our own ability, and our own want to. It took the power of God to resurrect us and raise us to new life in Christ. And so anytime anybody is saved, it's the power of God on display. In fact, I've told you before, the greatest miracle that anybody experiences is being raised to life in Christ. It's the greatest miracle that anybody can have is being born again, Brother Paul. And that takes the power of God. It's not our creativity, our own ingenuity. It's not our cleverness. That's the power of God. Why? Because we're spiritually dead and we need a spiritual resurrection. And only God can do that through His power. You can't raise yourself from the dead. Listen, if you're dead, what can you do? Absolutely nothing. You go to a person that's laying in a, in a corpse. What do you think they're going to do when you talk to them? Absolutely nothing. Well, it's the same way when we were in sin. We were dead. And couldn't do anything until He called our name. Isn't that what He did for Lazarus? Lazarus, come forth. You see, there was a day he said, Scotty, come forth. And I came to life. There was a day he said, Tommy, come forth. And Tommy came to life. You've been born again. You experienced the power of God. In fact, the Bible says that the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now dwells in these bodies. We've got resurrection power on the inside of us. It's the power of God. We see another thing. We see thirdly, God's power in His working when we are unable to do anything. We see God's power in His working when we are unable to do anything. You see, Paul declares that God's able to meet and exceed our wildest dreams. And there's not one circumstance we could ever think of that our Lord will be unable to provide. You see, I'm glad we serve a God that doesn't lack the resources necessary to meet our needs or request. You see, we serve a God that when it's impossible with us, it's possible with Him. That when we can't, He can. And you see, that's the whole point of prayer. The whole point of prayer is to ask God to do what we can't do in our own strength and ability. And here's the thing, God sometimes puts His people in impossible situations to display His power and display His glory. Sometimes God will put us where our backs against the wall so that He can show up and show off and so that we'll recognize that He is 
God. Let me give you some illustrations this morning. There's too many to mention, but let me give you just a few. Abraham and Sarah, they were physically beyond the ability to conceive children. They were getting older and older, and God promised that you're going to have a son, and Sarah was even barren. But God kept His word. God honored His promise. And God miraculously gave them a son, and Isaac was born. You see, nothing is impossible with God. God, He delivered the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage and He led them by the way of the wilderness down to the Red Sea and all of a sudden, Pharaoh, he had a change of heart and he says, hey, we've got to go after the children of Israel and so now you've got the Israelites, they've got the Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptian army on their heels and the people begin to panic, they begin to cry out, why didn't you just leave us in Egypt? Why didn't you just leave us there and let us die? And Moses cried out to the people and said, stay still and see the salvation of the Lord and all of a sudden the Red Sea parted and they walked across home dry ground and as they got through on the other side the Egyptian army came in and God closed the Red Sea and drowned their enemies. Nothing is impossible with God. I could give many more examples but let me give you one from the New Testament. I believe it's in Acts chapter 12. But Herod He'd imprison the apostle Peter. He was going to execute him the next day. You got Peter chained to two guards. He's locked inside a prison cell. You've got more guards on the outside. And he's inside the prison with a locked iron outer door. But the Bible tells us the church was praying without ceasing. And God sent an angel to wake Peter up. The chains fell off. He leads Peter through the prison and to the outer gate. And Peter's a free man. Again, we see nothing is impossible with God. I want you to understand this morning that God is all-powerful and He is able to do anything. God is able to do anything. There's nothing that God cannot do. But secondly... God is able to do anything at any time. God is able to do anything at any time. You see, God can work when it looks hopeless. And He can work when it looks impossible. You see, we serve a God that can work when everything else has failed. He can work when nothing else will. When doctors can't do anything, when money runs out, when treatments no longer work, God can still work. I think about the woman with the issue of blood. For 12 years, she suffered with an issue of blood. She's had an hemorrhaging of some sort. She's went to every doctor she could, spent all the money that she had. And the Bible says, rather than getting better, she has gotten worse. But she hears that Jesus is passing by. And she says, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And she touches the hem of his garment, and he knows that virtue, power has gone out of him. And she's healed instantly. She tried every other remedy. She tried every other medicine. She's now broke, busted, and disgusting. But she touched Jesus and got the miracle that she needed. Everything else failed. But God came through. You see, that's what God does. But let me also say this. Even when it seems like death is won, God can still show up and work a miracle. Lazarus is sick. John chapter 11. And Mary and Martha sends word to Jesus, the one you love is sick. And Jesus hears it and He delays. He stays two days longer. 
And by the time he gets to Bethany, Lazarus is dead. He goes to the tomb, says, roll the stone away, and they say, by this time he's stinking. Jesus, you've come a little too late. He's dead, he's stinking, the body's already beginning to decay. It's hopeless. He said, roll the stone away. And he said, Lazarus, come on. And Lazarus, come out of the tomb. Why is that? Because God is able to do anything, anytime, even when it seems impossible, even when it seems hopeless, even when it seems that everything else has failed. And even when it seems that death is won and the enemy is won, God is still able to turn it around. You see, we should never lose hope because God can do anything at any time. I'm so glad this morning that the ability of God, the power of God is not hindered by time. You see, I work on a schedule. I work on time. I'm bound to a clock. I'm bound to a calendar. I look at seconds, minutes, and hours, and days, and weeks, and months. God's not bound by a clock and a calendar. And so, according to me, Brother Paul, it may be late. But not for God. Because He's able to do anything, anytime. I may say, I need it now. And when I don't get it when I think I should, it looks as though everything's going to fall apart. And sometimes it does fall apart. But because I serve a God that's able to do anything at any time, He can show up and put it all back together. Because He's not hindered by time. All He has to do is step on the scene and say the word. And what was broken is restored. I want to say to somebody today, don't lose hope. Because God hasn't shown up yet. Because God is able to do anything at any time. You go back to John chapter 11 for just a moment and Mary and Martha both said the same thing when Jesus showed up in their hometown. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. They thought it was over. And how often do we say the same thing? Lord, if you'd just been here, I wouldn't be dealing with this now. Lord, if you'd just been here, I wouldn't be hurting now. I wouldn't be struggling now. Lord, if you'd just come when I prayed the first time, my heart wouldn't be broken. Lord, if you'd just fix this when I ask you to, I wouldn't have all this trouble in my life. We do the same thing they did. Lord, if you'd only been here. And he told Martha, if you believe, you'll see your brother live. Again, and she said, oh, I know he'll live again in the resurrection. She didn't understand. Because Jesus said, I am the resurrection. 
I just say, isn't that how we always live sometimes? We always think it's somewhere down the road our miracle's coming. Why not? Believe God can do it now. I don't want to get ahead of myself because I, I, I got to preach that point in a moment. But God is able to do anything anytime. So don't lose hope because you never know when God is going to come through for you. Which leads me to my third thing. God is able to do anything now. He's able to do anything at any time but he's able to do anything now. How many believe this morning God hasn't changed? Malachi 3.6 tells us, I the Lord do not change. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. James 1.17 tells us, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. You see, we live in a world that is constantly changing. But our God is still the same. That means what He's done before, He can do again. That He's not the God of the past, He's still the God of today. He's not the God of yesterday, He's the God of today. What does that mean? He's still a healer, He's still a miracle worker, He's still a provider today. What He's done in the past, He can do in the present. God is still all-powerful. He's not grown weak. He's not grown powerless. He's not grown impotent. He hasn't lost His ability. I believe God can still do things suddenly. God can still do things immediately. I believe that God doesn't have to work in stages. God doesn't have to work progressively. God doesn't have to do things over time. I know sometimes He does, but He doesn't have to. I believe that God is able to do anything instantly and God is able to do anything now. I want to ask you this morning. Do you believe that God can do anything now? Do you pray and believe that God can answer immediately? Do you believe that God can turn things around in a moment? You see, when we pray, we should always pray and be prepared for a miracle. I read a story one time of a young man. They, they needed some rain. They began to pray. After they got done praying, still not a cloud in the sky. But as he left to go to church that evening, he took his umbrella with him. Somebody asked him, why are you taking that? He said, because I'm believing for rain. That's faith. If you're going to pray for rain, why not carry your umbrella? You're expecting something then, aren't you? See, sometimes we pray and we're not expecting anything. We, we pray, but we don't carry the umbrella, Brother Tommy. I'm afraid that sometimes our praying it's just hoping and it's just wishful thinking. And it's really not rooted in faith and expectation. But when you pray, the Bible says, when you pray, believe that what you've asked, you receive. We serve a God that's able to do anything now. And when I read this book that I preach from, I read stories of people who got answers immediately. 
because they believed in a God who could do things instantly. People who got their eyes open instantly because they believed Jesus could do it. I say, what about God's timing? I, I understand God's in control. I understand you can't hurry God up. I understand you can't make God do anything. But I also believe we serve a God that can do it suddenly. And when we pray, we should believe for a miracle and for things to happen suddenly. I believe that when you get real faith and you really connect with God, you can see it happen suddenly. The Bible tells us about Jesus that He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil and those that were sick. I believe God wants to touch our lives. And there's some of you today, you've been facing things, battling things, and you need God to do something suddenly in your life. Why not pray and believe that God can turn it around today? If you believe God's able to do anything now, why not pray and believe God turn it around today? Really get a hold of God. Really get in faith. Really, really pray and seek Him and say, God, I need it today. And again, I understand people's going to say, well, preacher, you can't make God do anything. Well, let me ask you this. How desperate are you? How desperate do we need God to show up in our lives? Sometimes we pray about something once and then we think that's enough. Listen, if you can pray about it once and you can get breakthrough then, that, that's good. That's wonderful. But sometimes you just need to, you need to get down, buckle down. And you need to pray until you get some breakthrough. You need to pray until you know you've touched heaven. Because we serve a God that can do anything now. Let me ask you this morning, how long have you been dragging things around because you haven't believed God can do it now? Let me, let me give you these next several things. We've got to move on. Number four. God is willing to do above and beyond what we ask because He is good. God is willing to do above and beyond what we ask because He is good. He's willing to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or imagine because He is good. You see, Satan back in the Garden of Eden tempted Eve to doubt the goodness of God. And he does the same thing today. He wants us to question God's goodness. He wants us to doubt the love of God toward us. You see, when it comes to trials, when it comes to problems that we're facing... We've got to be careful not to doubt the goodness of God. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, 32, 
What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He would not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. How will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? God gave us the greatest thing He could ever give us when He gave us His Son. If He gave us His Son, how will He not also give us the smaller things? Listen, if He gave us the greatest thing, don't you think He'll give you the smaller things in life? And so even in the worst of trials, you've got to remember that God in His goodness is willing to do far beyond what you ask or think. But here's our problem. We know God is able. We just don't sometimes believe that God's willing. Or He's willing to do it for somebody else, but He's not willing to do it for me. I want you to hear me this morning. God is good. He cares about you. He loves you. And He'll always do what is good for you. He'll do above and beyond what you ask or imagine. He's willing to do it because He's good. Number five. We should ask for that which furthers God's glory through Christ and His church. We should ask for that which furthers God's glory through Christ and His church. Verse 21 reads, To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Why does God share His power with us? Why does God do above and beyond what we ask or think? Is it so we can build great churches for our own glory? Is it so we can boast in our achievements and boast in what we accomplish? Absolutely not. God shares His power with us and God does above and beyond what we ask or think for His glory. You see, everything God does is for His glory and when we pray, we should pray for that which brings God glory. God, I want You to be glorified through my life and through this situation. So in closing, how do we apply this message? What can we take home today with us? I want to give you four things real quickly on how to apply this message. Number one, don't be guilty of not having because you haven't asked. Don't be guilty of not having because you haven't asked. Psalm 81.10 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. James 4.2 tells us, you do not have because you do not ask. So don't be guilty of not having because you haven't asked. Here's what I want to say to you this morning. Open your mouth wide and ask and see what God does. Pour out your heart to God. Tell Him what's on your heart. Tell Him what's on your mind. Tell Him what you need. You've heard me say this before. I'll say it again. The only unanswered prayer is the unoffered prayer. The only unanswered prayer is the unoffered prayer. Secondly, don't be guilty of not having because you doubt God's ability or His willingness to give. Don't be guilty of not having because you doubt God's ability or His willingness to give. I hope you understand this morning nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is difficult with Him. He is a good Father. He is a loving Father. And He desires to give good gifts to His children. He desires to give good things to those who ask Him. Matthew seven eleven tells us, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good things to those who ask Him? 
Does that sound like God wants to withhold things from us? No. It sounds like He wants to bless us. It sounds like He wants to do good things in our lives. But what did it say to those who ask Him? Do you realize you can actually spend time in prayer and you never ask God for anything? And we do it all the time. We'll spend 30 minutes on our knees or sitting in our favorite chair, however you want to call it, but you can spend all that time and never really ask God for anything. And you call it prayer. If you don't get down specific as to what you need and go to God and say, God, this is what I need and get specific, you hadn't really prayed. Here's what our praying is sometimes. It's bless this, bless that, and it's like... And it's, it's general, just generic. Now I lay me down to sleep, bless my soul to keep it. Just... And you hadn't really prayed. And then we say, why hadn't God showed up in my life? Why hadn't God changed this? Why hadn't God turned this around? Well, you hadn't given Him anything to do. But if you ask specifically for what you need God to do, one thing, you'll know when God answers. If you've got a, a financial need, and, and, and here, here, here's what we do. God, God, i got a financial need. I need you to come through. And that's how we pray. And we just leave it up to God. Well, God knows how much money I need, and God's going to come through. Why not be more specific about how much money you need when you go to God in prayer? And then you'll know when God puts it in your hand or shows up in your mailbox or however that God answers. You might say, preacher, you can't do that. Why not? I have. And I've seen God do it. Right down to the penny. Because I asked for what I needed. And He done it. I did it one Wednesday evening before I came to church. I had a need, and by the time I left church one Wednesday night, God gave me half of it. Don't tell me you can't ask and be specific, and God show up. But you've got to believe that God is able and He's willing. Number three. Don't be guilty of praying small prayers. Don't be guilty of praying small prayers. I want some people in here to start praying some big prayers. Pray for some things that only God can do. You see, you can't ask too much of God. It's impossible to ask God for something He can't do, so pray some big prayers. Phillips Brooks said this, and I quote, Pray the largest prayers. You cannot think a prayer so large that God in answering will not wish you had made it larger. Pray not for crutches, but for wings. End of quote. You can't ask for something that's too big for God. Listen, we can pray for miracles. We can pray for the supernatural to take place. We can pray for what seems impossible and hopeless. 
Listen, I still believe that God does miraculous things. Let's pray for it. I believe that we can be bold and confident in our praying, knowing that nothing is impossible with God. You see, we can pray big prayers to a big God. Get out of the little box you've been in in your prayer life and start praying for some, some, some bold prayers. Start praying some prayers that oh, you know only God can answer. Let's pray for our church. Pray for some big prayers. Pray that God will send increase. Pray that God will send a harvest. Something that only God by His power can do. Number four, pray for yourself and for this church that for His glory, God would do through us that which is humanly unexplainable. Pray for yourself and for this church that for His glory, God would do through us that which is humanly unexplainable. I'm at a place as I get older in my life that And the more I walk with God, I'm, I get kind of fed up with church as usual. And I can't blame the people in the pews. I have to start looking at myself because it starts with me. But I look around the church world as a whole. I look around at denominations. I look around at what takes place in a lot of churches. And I think to myself sometimes, what does God think when He looks at it all? That He sent His Son to die on the cross, shed His blood, yes, that we might be forgiven, that one day we might go spend eternity with Him, but that God did all of that and paid such a great price that we could come to church and have just another service and leave the same way we come week after week. That nowadays lost people can go to church and be comfortable sitting in church. I grew up, Brother Jimmy, that if you were lost, you weren't comfortable sitting in church. I understand a lot of the preaching back then. It was hellfire, brimstone. It kind of scared you some of it. But there was also a presence of God there that you weren't comfortable. You wanted to get out of there because God was moving. There was an anointing in the house. But we can come to church now and be comfortable. Lost people can come, be comfortable. And I want people to be welcome. That doesn't know Jesus. But here's the thing. I want them to be uncomfortable by the presence of God in this place. That, 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 that they got to hold on to a pew because if they let go, they're going to be sucked to an altar. That's the kind of praying I want us to do that gets God's attention and God's glory and anointing and power shows up in this place that He does the unexplainable. As I've said before, that when we leave, we don't talk about what the preacher did and what the singing did and, 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 and what kind of message it was, but when we leave, we talk about, look what God did today. Where drunkards can come in and be sober when they leave. Where addicts can come in and be free when they leave. Preacher, God can't do that. Yes, He can. Listen, they might stumble to an altar. 
under the influence of drugs or alcohol. But listen, I believe if God meets them there, they can get up free, delivered, and in their right mind. Don't have to worry about going to no kind of meeting. Talking about, this is my name and I'm an addict. Listen, listen, programs are great, but it doesn't compare to the power of God. And I want God to do that which is humanly unexplainable. And I want us to pray that for ourselves and for this church. I want God to do through you that which is humanly unexplainable. Jesus said, the works that I did, you'll do these and even greater. I want you to lay hands on people in the grocery store and them get healed. Isn't that what he said? These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Listen, I want you to meet somebody on the third aisle of food line, put your hands on them, pray for them, and they'll be delivered and healed. Preacher, God can't do that through me. Yes, He can. He wants to do it through you. And if we'd be bold enough to pray and believe Him for it and sometimes take a step to do it, we might just see His glory show up in the grocery aisle. Well, preacher, what if people say something and stare at me? Who cares? That's our problem. What are people going to say? What are people going to think? We care too much about the opinions of others rather than what God says. And that needs to change, especially in these days in which we live. Our God is able. Amen. i got to close. Let me real quickly read you these seven statements. Whenever you get into a situation where you need God to show up and you're doubting or questioning His ability, I want you to keep these seven statements handy. I could have preached these seven statements instead of the points I give you, but here they are. Number one, He is able to do a work because He isn't idle, inactive, or dead. They're already on your outline. You can just read it with me. Number two, He is able to do what we ask because He hears and answers prayer. Amen. He hears our prayers. Number three, He is able to do what we think because He knows what we think before we think it. Number four, He is able to do all we ask or think because He knows it all and can perform it all. Number five, He is able to do more than we ask or think because His plans are bigger than our plans. Number six, He is able to do much more than we ask or think because there is no holding back with God. Number seven, He is able to do above and beyond what we ask or think because He is the God of super abundance. Whenever you need to be reminded that God is able, you keep these seven statements handy. And you be reminded that God is able to do above and beyond what we ask or think. Would you just stand with me?